Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. Colossians 3, starting in verse 22, it says this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes on you and to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there will be no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Thanks, Thanks, Brad. Good morning, everyone. You know what? There is one thing about Sundays which we love to hate, isn't there? It's followed by Mondays. (laughs) Mondays. Uh, I believe that Mondays is amongst the greatest. uh, People have the most sickies on Monday. Uh, It is the day we love to hate because we have this love-hate relationship with our jobs often and with work. And uh, if we've got a love-hate relationship with work, yes, I can see Meryl laughing away there. Um, Often our jobs force us, don't they? to spend hours doing something we don't really enjoy doing, being somewhere we don't really enjoy being, and often we end up with a paycheck that just seems to be never enough for us to make the bills. But still, because we need to live, we need to earn an income, we turn up day after day, week after week, month after month. I was chatting to someone uh, just a couple of weeks ago about how they handled Mondays, and they said that's easy. They take Monday as as their day off. They work Tuesday to Saturday instead. (laughs) Not all of us can get out of that, and that's not really a solution. One newspaper columnist said that work is a four-letter word. He said work is just brutal. And the problem for most people is that their work transforms them into something bad, something bitter and broken. And I wonder as we look at it today, uh, how many people in our world online joining us uh, resent work, don't like work, and uh, it does something to them that they don't really enjoy. And I wonder... Is your job perhaps demeaning or demanding so much so that it changes you? Well, work is still a necessary part of life, isn't it? We had a funeral through the week and I uh, didn't know the person that well that we were um, doing the arrangements for or the family. So I got to chatting with the funeral director as we were out at the graveside just waiting for people to turn up. And I said... You know, your job is a really interesting one. How do you cope with it? And I said, as kids, when you grow up, 
it's not like many of our kids say to this, when I grow up, I want to be a grave digger or I want to be an undertaker. And this guy was saying that his job is, uh, he has to do mortuary work and he has to do pickups and all that sort of stuff that I just think, wow, that takes a special kind of person. He says, I said, how did you get into it? And he said, I just sort of fell into it. It was just an opportunity. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, even for those of us that enjoy our work, uh, work can still be hard. And from time to time, we still have those thoughts. If only I won the lottery, I could retire early. Uh, the problem is that I don't buy lottery tickets. That's not going to work. Uh, if you're a retired person, even today, no doubt most of the retired people I talk to tell me their calendars are full and they've got a daily to-do list that just seems like it's never going to end. But we dread Mondays and I wonder if there is a different perspective or a different way that we can think about our work and our weeks so that instead of arriving at Monday with a sense of dread, we can arrive at Monday with a sense of anticipation or a sense of expectancy. And when we head home at the end of the day, it's not a sense of relief, but a sense of satisfaction maybe, an accomplishment, to feel that our, our work has a purpose more than just the paycheck, and it leaves us perhaps more fulfilled and our faith more alive. And I think that's what God's intent is for us with work. Now, we're looking at a passage today in Colossians 3. We've jumped ahead a few verses because to cover all of those family verses is going to take a series. And we're going to try and do that next year. But uh, for this one, part of the household in the ancient world was that they had slaves. Now, slavery, uh, don't read what we have here as Paul saying that slavery, as in modern day slavery, is acceptable. In the ancient world, slavery was fundamental to society. It was universally accepted. In fact, if you walk down one of those ancient Roman streets, more than half of the people that you passed would be slaves on the street. Now, the majority of slaves weren't just slaves that did all the menial tasks like cleaning and cooking and things like that in the house. Uh, a bunch of them were also people that fulfilled roles that we treat today as professional roles, like doctors and teachers could also be slaves within the society. And it wasn't just the filthy rich that had slaves, but often just the middle class also had slaves. And so when we come to the book of Colossians and Paul addresses the church, the gospel had spread within Colossae, and it wasn't just slaves that come to Christ, but we also had masters that came to Christ as well. And so in writing this letter to the church, Paul wants to pick up both classes of people within their society. Now, as I said, Paul isn't condoning slavery here, so don't read it in that way. In fact, just a few verses earlier, in verse 11, 
Paul removes the distinction saying that there is now no longer slave or free with respect to Christ. And so Christianity in the ancient world was actually pushing the boundaries and the limits already. Because in the ancient world, in the ancient times, slaves were not seen as uh, little more than property. If you were a slave, you had very little choice over what you were able to do, how you had to live. Slaves didn't necessarily have great working conditions. Um, They were probably better working conditions than what our slavery does today that we hear about. But as a people, they were subject to every wish of their master or they would face the consequences. So most of them didn't have the comfortable work environments that many of us enjoy today. In fact, I was reading uh, just through the week, Google as a company just spent over $2 billion on their New York offices. I thought, wow, two billion bucks. But Google provides its employees, and everyone's going to get a bit green and jealous here, with fully equipped games rooms. That's right. That's not the youth room. That's the staff room. Um, they also uh, get, they also get free food all day long, which includes multiple cafes, which everyone says amen to. Uh, they get a sushi bar. There are rooms that they play sports. They can sing and dance. They can get a massage. There's an aquarium. Uh, where employees can relax in a foam-filled bath. Uh, There is a sky lounge. There is a jungle and a movie room. There are slides. There are fireman poles and much more. In fact, on Tuesdays, they have a tea and crumpets day. On Thursdays, it's a wine and beer day with a, thank God, it's almost Friday party. And workers, get this, are encouraged to take breaks, to socialise and invite their friends over to play. Now, at that point, I've got to ask, does anyone work for Google? Um, (laughs) We're all wanting invites into that office environment. That, I I just find that quite stunning. Uh, In the ancient world, work was nothing like that, though. In fact, more than any of us, slaves had a reason to hate their jobs, to resent their bosses, to feel overworked, to feel mistreated, and of course there was no pay, so they were well and truly underpaid. So coming to Colossians 3, I find it very interesting as we read this passage. If you've got your Bibles, uh, keep them open. so that you can reflect on this, because I want to go through the phrases that Paul says one by one, because there is so much that we can take from this. Because as you look at these verses, Paul doesn't say to the slaves, just do your job and stay out of trouble. He doesn't say, you know, slavery is wrong, so rebel, run, try and escape. He doesn't even say to them, you know what, just do the bare minimum. Just you know, fly under the radar, uh, just work away quietly, do the minimum. He tells them to be the best slaves that they can be. 
be the best. And whilst there's no one here today that is a slave or a master, there are principles in this passage that we can apply to our lives. And so as we read through this passage, I want you to think about your own work, about your own job, whatever it is, wherever it may be, and whoever you're accountable to. Think about what Paul instructs here. So in verse 22, he says to the Colossians, firstly, obey your masters in everything. Now, Paul didn't write, obey your masters when it's fair and reasonable. He didn't say, he says, obey your masters in everything. Now, Paul is not saying that we disobey God's commands and we do things that are sinful. Obviously, God is our ultimate master. But what he is saying and expecting is that the people, that the slaves would respect and cooperate with the people that they work with. No matter what they're like, no matter what they ask, he says, serve, have that attitude in everything. Now, the verse continues on. And he says, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour. Now, I always find this interesting because as a parent, we all experience, as we raise our kids, uh, some children have macro disobedience issues, others have micro. The macro issues, you tell them to not cross a line and they run across the line. The micro uh, children who do that, when you're watching them, they'll stand still and then when you turn your head slightly and you just look them out the corner of your eye, you'll see them move their foot a little bit to touch the line. And, and then they'll, they'll move it maybe a little bit over the line. And they'll, they'll push the boundaries in that way. When you watch, they'll do the right thing. Paul says to the workers, to the slaves, don't just be a people pleaser or to try and please your boss. The whole phrase, curry their favour, uh, translates a Greek word that is a composite word that just means people pleasing. In other words, don't just do it when people are watching just to please them when they're watching. Paul wants us when we work to show complete respect in our work, no matter how hard it is, to give ourselves fully to it and whether or not we're going to get credit for it. So whether we're being watched or whether we're going to be paid, he just wants us to be faithful in the things that we've been given, to show integrity and to show a good character in our work ethic. He wants Christians to work hard all the time, whether they're being supervised, whether they're going to be rewarded or not. Now, you've all heard the the phrase, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Yeah. It's interesting, I'm heading off on annual leave next month. <laughs> Unless you hear the staff calling out and saying all sorts of things. Uh, I've got to say that whilst I'm away, I have no doubt that Brad will not be taking extra days off to play golf. 
and I have no doubt that Francois won't take a sickie to go camping with the family. And Julie, Meryl and Wendy won't go out and have long lunches. Well, um, <laughs> but I know that and I trust them completely and implicitly. I trust them completely and implicitly. Why? Because I already know their work ethic. I see them day by day, week by week. I know how many hours they're putting in and all the extra work that goes in behind the scenes to everything that is done here. I've seen Wendy uh, get here even before I get here at 7.30. She's been here and she's running around and things are all set up. I think, Wendy, are you sleeping here? Um, uh, Wendy and all the work that the staff do. So I have no doubt or question about them. But I have no doubt and no question about them because I've already witnessed their ethic, their work character in action. And that's what Paul is wanting to encourage the believers and the slaves, those who had this role and employment, Paul wants them to show themselves to be people of character because they were believers. Now listen to the words he then uses to describe their actions. He says here in verse 22, but they're to not just do it when people are watching, but they're to do it with a sincerity of heart. Now that word sincerity is a word that means like a single-mindedness. So our respect and our cooperation isn't just a superficial thing where something else is going on beneath the surface. It's not a, a ticker box just to fulfill a job description or complete a set task list. No, they're to do it with a sincere heart. It's something that's to come from deep within them. This single-mindedness, this positive attitude towards work is not a resentful act. But it's a task that is actually embraced by them. It's something that they're going to do with enthusiasm. And it doesn't just start with that heart, but it also then comes with a completely different attitude. And we read it and I think, what? Because what does it say in the next phrase? It says, and reverence for the Lord. Thinking, hang on, we're not in church. We're not talking about Sundays, about revering the Lord. We're talking about Mondays to Fridays. We're talking about that time outside of church, aren't we? So what, is this ref what has this reference to reverence got to do with work? How, how can you be a teacher and have reverence for the Lord? How can you hammer in a nail as a chippy or tap keys on a keyboard with reverence? How can you buy the groceries and clean or stock shelves and drive a forklift or uh, the whole range of tasks and job roles? How are we to do those with reverence? Because that seems to be a word that suits itself more to church. Well, Paul expands and continues on in verse 23. 
In verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, work out with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Now, verse 23 starts, whatever you do. So that means everything from writing on a whiteboard to dusting to balancing a budget to knocking up a house frame, everything. Now, remember in the ancient world, slaves didn't have a choice over what they did. They could be asked to do everything from ploughing the fields to caring for the children to shoveling pig manure like the prodigal son or preparing dinner, hopefully not in that order. Um, They could be asked to do everything. And you think, well, hang on. And then Paul continues on again. What does he say? He says, work at it with all your heart, all your heart. Now, over the course of my working career, I've had almost 10 different jobs in different places. Uh, One of my first jobs, in fact, I think it was my second job, first was a paper round, was I got a job when I was in high school working for the, well, it happened in Australia at that time, the Linda Electric Blanket Factory. (laughs) Yep. And uh, you know what? I wasn't working in an office. Uh, We used to have uh, the equivalent of a blanket that was sewn together, had the ends of it open. We had to put it into this sort of vice clamp And then we had a machine that would measure out the electric wire cable to the right length and then it would cut it off. We'd put that in our our wand and then we would weave it through the channels that had been sewn in the electric blanket. And that was my job. And I got $3 an hour. And we had three hours of weaving electric blanket cable through. Now, don't get me wrong, we didn't do any of the fancy stuff like wiring on the plugs or anything else. No, we just put the cable in the blankets. Um, Now, as a 14-year-old, the idea of getting $3, back in those days it was cash money, like the paper $1 notes, and so we look forward to that. And as a, a teenager, the idea of having our own spending money so we could go to the canteen and get a hamburger for lunch or... Get a Sunny Boy, or does anyone remember the Sunny Boys? Yeah, we do, don't we? Sorry, it's just shown our ages. Um, We can remember doing all that, and this uh, employment, this job, um, had a pay bonus. If you stayed for three months, you got a, a special bonus in your pay packet. That was because after one day of doing this, uh, you knew that you were at the bottom of the food chain. Um, There was no going down any lower. In fact, it felt like slave labour. In fact, I'm sure that is no longer completed in Australia. um, And that's not necessarily a good thing. But looking back... Whilst it was a job, it got a pay packet, it wasn't something I was ever going to give my heart to. And so when you hear that phrase, it makes me think, well, what are the parts of the Bible that make us think about what we need to give our hearts to? All your heart. Sound familiar? What are we supposed to do with all our heart? Mark 12, 
love the Lord your God with, oh, there it is, with all your heart. In fact, we're actually told to worship the Lord. This is the language of worship. And that raises a little question in my mind. Are we supposed to do our jobs and our work roles to the same level that we love God? Are we supposed to serve in that same way as we love God? Interesting question. Let's go back to verse 23. What does it tell us? We're to serve as working for the Lord, not for men. So we might have a a particular boss that we work for, but here it's telling us that our ultimate boss in our employment is not whoever cranky pants is that sits in the office Uh, He could be, or she could be, the most pig-headed person, the most stubborn, the most selfish, the most uncaring. I know that doesn't happen here. He could be all of those things, or she could be all of those things. But what Paul is saying here is that we are still to serve faithfully and work hard because our ultimate boss, in no matter what job we hold, is God. God is our boss. We're to do it as working for the Lord. So no matter what you do, no matter where you do it, no matter whom we do it for, ultimately we work as working for God. Now, it's not just for employees, but we also see in this passage that it's for bosses Because bosses too have a master. In verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair. Why? Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So no matter what company you are with, no matter who you work for, no matter how many people are over us or under us, Ultimately, God is the boss and master of all. It is the Lord to whom we must give an account. It is the Lord to whom we must look and think about who we are working for. In verses 34 and 25 of chapter 3, it says, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. So if you're feeling underpaid, God says that's unimportant. Slaves didn't get anything. But what's important is to know that you're doing it for the Lord and he will reward. Not just when you serve in a ministry, but when you're working as working for him in your employment. He says you are going to receive a reward. But then also there is a negative consequence in verse 25. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. There is no favoritism. So as the ultimate boss, God has the power to reward, but also the power to judge and our behaviour. 
So from all of this passage, we can see our work matters to God. He's not only interested in you, but he's also interested in your work and how you honour him in the workplace and how you serve him in your workplace. And it shouldn't surprise us because we know that God himself is at work and that is his plan and model for us and our lives. In creation, we know that God worked how many days? Six days, and he rested on the seventh. Now, most of us have a five-day week, maybe even a four-day week. Sometimes we may have to work six, but we shouldn't be surprised at that. In fact, as we go to the commandments, he says, the Sabbath is holy because you know the Lord worked for six days in creation and gave us a pattern for that. And he's working continually up to now, sustaining creation and seeking to redeem a fallen universe. He works in each one of us to make us more like Jesus. He's working to spread the gospel around the world. Every day we have an opportunity, though, to join him in whatever work he has prepared for us. And when we do, and when we do it well... We must understand and remember that it honours him as we do that. I read a story through the week um, which I found fascinating but also so encouraging because it is not just those who serve the Lord. I mean, I serve the Lord full-time in ministry and I feel blessed to have that opportunity. But that doesn't mean that each one of us, whether you're a teacher or a chippy or whether you tap on a computer or you're working with figures and dollars and cents, that you too are not working for the Lord in your place of employment. And so this man, uh, whose story this is, uh, was setting up a food business. He was opening a new hamburger restaurant. And when he heard these principles explained, the ones that we've looked at this morning, he realised that he needed to start thinking about his work theologically. In other words, he needed to start applying the Bible to his workplace. What it meant to make and sell hamburgers God's way. And so he came to believe that he could do that and still honour the Lord. And as he thought about it more, he realised how much thinking about working for the Lord making hamburgers would change what he did. It would change the kind of cattle that he would get for his beef. He realised that there would be an environmental impact from his kitchen and his trash that he would have to consider. He started to think through what items he would put on his menu and how that may affect the health of his customers. He started to think about who could afford to eat in his restaurant and what kind of atmosphere he wanted to set for his customers, but also for his employees and how he would treat them, how he would steward the profits from his business. And he came to realise that every aspect of his hamburger business mattered to God. 
And as much as possible, he wanted to honour God in making and selling hamburgers. When you live your lives to the best of not just your ability, but you're doing it for God, it transforms the way we see work and the way we see life. Because it's good for us to work as serving to the Lord because it's good for our world. It's good for us. It's good for the gospel. And it does honour the Lord. If you're a follower of Christ, our true vocation found right here, no matter what it is, is to serve the Lord in our workplaces. It's not just as a pastor or as a missionary, but we need to honour God, whether that be threading the cable through the Linda Electric blankets, whether that be making hamburgers, whether that be knocking up a house frame, no matter what it is, no matter where it is, no matter whom we do it for, ultimately we do it to the Lord. So I wonder tomorrow when you wake up, whether you can think about, you know what, I'm heading off to work and I'm going to join God in his work. And at lunchtime, as you take a break, uh, to reflect on the fact that you understand that what you're doing actually matters to God, that God values the effort that you've put in in the morning. And when you get to the end of the day, you can say, you know what, I'm done for the day. I did it to the best of my ability. And Lord, I pray that it has honoured you in all that I've done. And in this way, with this perspective, in seeing our work and understanding it like this, we will honour the Lord in no matter what we do, no matter what job we have or where it may be. God will be honoured and glorified and his purposes will be worked out in our lives. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, for pretty much everyone here, there will be a job at some point that maybe we still haven't stepped into. Maybe we are in it now. Maybe we are finished and retired. But yet still there are other things on our task list that we know we do day by day. Father, I pray that no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter where we may work and serve, that everyone here today would see and understand that we do it not for ourselves, not just for a paycheck, but we're doing it because we want to and glorify you. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to be an example to those around us of what it means to be a follower of the Lord. So Father, may we be people of integrity and people of character who work with all that we have with all of our hearts and we do it as fearing the Lord because we know that in all these things no matter who our boss we ultimately are doing it to serve you Lord and we pray that in whatever we do 
you would be honoured. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.